I'm Robin Gallagher and welcome to Ripples. Throughout our program, a series of guest speakers will share words of wisdom from their life experience and we will offer you a series of meditations so that you can take some time just to stop and listen to that voice within, that voice of the Spirit. So come and enjoy some inspired voices and treasured stillness and allow the ripple effect to begin. Tim Hart is married to Nicole and they have five children ranging in age from 1 to 12. Tim currently works for Catholic Education in the Diocese of Wollongong in the area of staff spiritual formation. Prior to this, he worked as an education officer supporting primary religious education coordinators and has had extensive experience working in schools as an REC and as a classroom teacher. Tim is also a professional musician who has composed and produced albums. His debut album is called Pure Hearts and one of his most famous compositions is a song entitled Joyful Generation, which was the winning entry for the 2017 Australian Catholic Youth Festival. During this time of COVID-19, Tim created and produced a program called Pray School. Pray School is an engaging religious education program appealing to the spirituality of children from kindergarten to year two. It offers storytelling, music, singing, listening, craft and opportunities to respond to scripture and our world. It was initially designed to support the work of teachers and parents as they navigated homeschooling. We welcome Tim today as he shares the story behind Pray School and parts of his own spiritual journey. Peace be with you. Welcome, Tim, to the program. It is wonderful to have you here today. It's great to be here with you, Robin. Tim, I've had the great privilege of working with you for a couple of years now. And during that time, I've been so struck by your many gifts, your deep wisdom, and your ability to read the signs of the time. And during this time of COVID, our diocese gave us a wonderful invitation It was an invitation to look for new and innovative ways to connect with our teachers, our parents and our students. And as a consequence of that, you then developed Pray School. Now, there has been an overwhelming response to Pray School. Pray School is a program for kindy to year two students, a religious education program and also incorporates spiritual formation. It has been so valued by our teachers and our parents and students. It's been embraced by them as well. It is loved by them. I spoke to a school recently and they said to me that it was like when you came to the school to visit a few classrooms, it was like having the wiggles in the school. And what a wonderful response, Tim. I just wonder, particularly for those listeners who aren't, haven't been exposed to the program, could you tell us a little bit about the story of Pray School, how it came to exist, and some of the wonderful elements within the program? Sure. 
So Rob, you've tapped into a few things already. It was a response to what was happening in the world around coronavirus. And all of a sudden, uh, we were, were sent into chaos. And it was a really a time of, of real uncertainty for many people. And I was watching what was happening uh, as, as, a, as a father of five children. I had children at home receiving remote learning programs. As a teacher, I had connected with my children's teachers. And, and at one point, I'd passed on a message just to say thank you for, for what you're doing. And the response back, there was real emotion in the response back just around thank you for appreciating us at this time. And I knew um, that there, there were real challenges for everybody, yes. for students, yes. for parents, and for teachers. Mm. On and all those levels. Absolutely. Mm. And amidst all of this, my thought was, where will our tradition fit in? How will religious education uh, find a space amidst all of this mm. where it can make such a powerful difference to people's lives? How can we let that gift of religious education shine and bring joy and hope during this time where it's really needed? And I got thinking and I thought we need to do something different, something very different to the remote learning that's currently happening, which in my mind for my son at that point in time, he's got ADHD, spending long hours in front of a, a, a computer is damaging to his uh, behaviours that, yes. that, that he can progress with. Mm -hmm. And so I thought let's create a television program something that will engage the, the audience at a different level, where they can participate, where they can get up and move, where they can respond. Even though it's still a, a remote and a digital platform, it offered something, it offered some kind of life which invited participation and engagement. And so I got thinking and had a look out there what's available, what, what's already happening. Watched ABC2 and saw there was The Wiggles World and Mr Maker and all of these things which really weren't foreign to me. I, I've spent 15 years <laughs> of my life with the television being hijacked by a, a two-year-old <laughs> at some point or another. So must comment that uh, Tim has five children. Yes. So it's, it's to be understood. A busy household. So... This was very familiar to me in the way that we could move it forward. And so the name Prey School is a, a take on play school and what you get in play school, uh, but a religious dimension, is what you will find with our program Prey School. Oh, it's wonderful, Tim. What do you believe Prey School offers to both our young children and to our teachers and to our parents? When it was designed, it was... Designed intentionally for a few reasons. Um, number one was to promote that sense of faith in the home. So here we are, families at home, stuck together, an opportunity to sit and learn about our faith and our traditions together. And I pictured in my mind parents would be sitting by their school-aged children and their preschool siblings with them, all taking it in. Um, and then during this time of disconnection, I was looking for
for a way to bring our community together as a community of faith. In the early stages of the program, it began with just my family. So this was when social distancing and and isolation was at its height. Mm. And I think in many ways that symbolised faith formation begins with the family in the home. Mm. The family is the core, the core unit of the faith, the core unit of community. And then by the the last episode, there would be a couple of hundred people involved. There, there were classes of students, there were priests, lots of teachers were coming on board to collaboratively uh, to, to model the lessons and showcase various parts of the show. And so that to me symbolised just how widely connected we are as a community during this time of, of isolation. Oh, it's been it's been profound, and and the response from from parents as well who have valued the program has been just so significant. Tim, this is a program for young people, for very young, kindy to year two. I wonder if we could hear a little bit about your early years, the early years of Tim Hart. Could you perhaps tell us something about those defining moments in your early years where you felt a sense of God's presence? Uh, I think for my early years, it's hard for me to, to name where God's presence was. I think I would have been like any other child, uh, a great sense of wonder and awe and curiosity about the world. It's not until I look back as an adult that I'm able to really identify where the spirit would have been at work uh, in my formation growing up. Mm. And that is the beginning is, is with the family. So I was raised in a Catholic family and I went to church on Sundays and, and did the, the Sunday school with my brother and sisters. Uh, and I remember singing at Mass and having those favourites come up. And when the favourite tunes came up, all the kids would be seeing who could sing the loudest. Uh, so that family, uh, that, that family bond and going to, to church as, as children and having that faith experience uh, were probably most... that they, the, they provided the solid foundation for further formation to occur. Mm, wonderful, Tim. And, and I was just thinking about our, our own journey and over the years, from our early years to our um, teenage years, and, you know, a lot happens during that time. A lot happens. And I know for you, being a person who has many talents, you, you draw a lot in, in your own work on music and prayer and the creative arts. They're a, they're a very key part of, of, of what you do and what you live. I wonder in terms of looking at your slightly older years, your, your teenage years, what was perhaps happening for you during that time and how did some of those creative elements begin to play a part in your story? Mm. Uh, I think I, I owe a lot to my, my dad in many ways. He was really a great supporter. My mother too, uh, but my dad is the, the breadwinner of the family. He really tried to support his children and we weren't a very 
wealthy family. We were your average working class family uh, with a mortgage at home and we were a larger family so th there was a bit to, to, for the money to spread there. And so, but my dad, he, he wanted the children to have something really significant invested in them and, and for me it was music mm. and he backed me with my music. He, he, he would buy me instruments and give me lessons and, and things like that and give me a space so I would overtake the garage and be, be making music in there with friends and so he was quite significant there. So he provided a space for me to really grow and develop a gift. Mm. So I think um, you, you may have heard the, the saying, every child needs a champion. And as I was growing up, he, he was my champion. Mm. I remember when I went to high school, it, it, the beginning of Year 7 was probably the most challenging time in my life, the, the most difficult time I've had. I had during the middle years. I began at a new new high school and I found myself doing quite well and quite quickly I became the target of some horrendous bullying. Mm. Every single day it was target this guy simply because I was getting good grades and seemed like I was staying out of trouble. And so we Things have changed quite a lot today. We're happy to talk about it and call it out. And there's, Name it. Yeah, there's mm. lots of support too for the, the effects and we're understanding the effects. I think when I was growing up, a lot of that support wasn't there. Mm. It largely went unnamed and unnoticed. And so that was very difficult. So that, that year of my life was particularly hard. It, it did lead to, I guess, I, I would looking back, call it a state of depression. And I actually gave up music. I put the guitar down and for a whole year I didn't come back to it. Yeah. I was in a bad place. Mm. And um, my parents could see this and so they did everything they can to get me into a, a new school. Mm. And I was quite fortunate that um, that happened. And I moved to a, a new school and... Things were picking up and getting better. And then I'd, I remember there was a music lesson and everyone had guitars. So the teacher had got guitars out for everybody. And this was probably the first time I picked the guitar back up. And I seemed to just go along with the tasks that were set. And people were amazed and astonished. How, how can you do this? All of a sudden, there was a supportive community around me and, and encouraging some great teachers who noticed the gifts in their students. And from that point forward, many years to follow, music and creativity was a big part of my spirituality. Um, it was nurtured and nourished, and it's become something which I'm able to draw on as a gift to express myself and to uh, enrich the lives of those I come into contact with. Mm. Oh, thank you, Tim, for your generous sharing and for your deep wisdom and insight around that too, Tim. Tim, you speak when you talk about your music and, and how it began to play a big part in your own spiritual formation. You also bring music into a lot of the workshops that we do and into our experiences of prayer. 
I wonder if we could really go back to look at prayer. How would you, how would you describe prayer? How would you define prayer? That's a pretty big question. <laughs> how do you define That's another talk in prayer? itself. <laughs> it is, it is, absolutely. Yeah. Um, in many ways, I think someone's answer to that question depends on their image of God. Mm. Uh, and for me, my image of God is really God is life. God is love. Life itself. And so for me, prayer... A conversation with God is about listening to life, listening to everything that's happening around you, stopping and noticing what's happening in the present moment of life. John O'Donoghue has a a beautiful poem called Fluent, and it, it goes like this, I'd love to live like the river flows, being carried by the surprise of its own unfolding. And in many ways, that captures what prayer is about. It's about just being in that flow of life, noticing what's unfolding before you and looking for the places and what direction are you being carried in? What is God asking of us? What is life calling us to do and to be in this moment? And... Our yes to that is our willingness to be carried by that river in that flow of life and, and to share in the life of God as God shares in our own lives. That's beautiful, Tim. And, and what a beautiful poem of John O'Donoghue's. I'll treasure that. Tim, in your own life, what are the, perhaps the practices uh, that allow you to feel centred and allow you to enter into that flow of life to deepen your relationship with God? For me, um, we've talked a lot about music. Yes. And music for me is an expression of prayer. It's almost like meditation mm. in, in some ways. I can get lost in just playing the guitar or, or working on a, a song. So music takes me to a, a real state of tranquility. Uh, but that's but that experience of, of, of music has been, I guess, enhanced by some of the other prayer forms that I've grown into. Mm. And I think that's really important is that to, to acknowledge is that we grow, as we grow our ex- and grow through our experiences of prayer, our prayer styles change and evolve yes, too. Yes. And so I've come to really enjoy Lectio Divina. That's where we would focus on the word. And in particular, as we read a scripture, what part of that word speaks to us? And for me, as an artist, as a composer, as a songwriter, that supports what I do musically because often that one word that I take gets, becomes a, a seed, a thought that grows. And so it becomes a lyric which becomes a verse, which becomes a song or a chorus as, as these ideas expand on these thoughts that the Spirit has put in my mind. Mm. 
And when I walk, I'll walk to the beat of the word of the Lexio. And I'll, I'll hum as I'm moving. So there's a real embodiment to it. We, we look at in the catechism, it says prayer should involve the whole body, our body, mind, spirit, and our heart. So there's that experience of the word, which goes with the music, and that sense of being able to be still in meditation. They're, they're just a few ways in which I've found personal prayer in my life to be enriching. Mm. And I guess... Ultimately, the cake on the icing for me is when I bring that all together into communal prayer, mm. when I'm able to lead the community through worship in song. And I've done a few education masses, mm. and there's always a point in the education mass where every voice is united, raising the roof. Mm. And... As the director of music, that might be the point where I'll just get all the instruments to hold back and stop and just let the voices shine out and carry the community in prayer and worship. And it's just this great sense of fulfilment to know that the Spirit's at work in our lives and that we stand together united in prayer and song. Mm, it's, I've, I've felt that moment because I've been at the Masses that you have... Uh, been involved in where you've coordinated the music and they're beautiful moments, beautiful moments, tangible. Mm. Inevitably, within the program Praise School, you've brought all these elements in. You've brought in the music and the movement and the creativity. What have you learnt from your experience of creating and producing Praise School? What have been some of the gifts and the learnings? I think... When I got to the last episode, it featured uh, an image of St. Therese of Calcutta, Mother Teresa. And uh, I was looking for a quote to go with that. It was, find your own Calcutta, be of love and service where you are. And while I was searching for that quote, I came across another one. And it was, don't wait for leaders, begin one person at a time. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, a learning for me that was just to reinforce that we're called into life. And we're, when we're called into life, to take that step, to be, have the courage to, to, to not wait, but to respond. And we look in the scriptures, we look at stories with, with Moses, uh, who was effectively a a runaway criminal, mm -hmm. yet God had chosen him yes. to do a great task. And we look at Mary, the mother of God, who was a, a poor village girl. You wouldn't expect God to pick a poor village girl to be the son, to, to be the mother of Jesus, our, our king. And so there's a lesson in that, that we are all chosen we are all chosen for great things. Mm. So the lesson in praise school for me was not to wait, but to step up and follow that call, the call to, to be of service to others. As I progressed through some of these shows, it quickly confirmed in my mind some of the beliefs that I'd always carried. One is, you are enough. 
as you are. You don't need to wait for the, the next piece of technology to come along or some more time or to do that course to get better. Mm-hmm. You are enough. Get started. Get going. And Just you, begin. Yes. Just begin. Yes. Yeah. Believe in yourself. Have that self-belief that you are enough. You are enough. Because what I've learnt is whatever you're lacking, God will provide the Mm. rest. Mm. Something will come along and help you Mm. or something will come your way and it will give you that extra bit that you needed. So you are enough. And one final learning I think would be is around the gift of community and and all that that has to offer. And I spoke earlier about how it grew from just my small family being involved, involved to a, a few hundred people across the diocese. Uh, the strength of community to work together through times, through the most challenging times. And I think that's, that's a reminder to us is when we, we do find that we're struggling if we have the courage to turn and be carried by the people around us and together we will do great things. Mm-hmm. Oh, Tim, I, I really congratulate you on the program. It has been, it is a profound program and it is making a difference in so many people's lives. I can't thank you enough for being with us on the program today, for your evident wisdom that I know so many listeners would would value and appreciate for your presence and your kindness and your generosity. And I wish you and your family um, all the very, very best. And uh, with your tremendous work that you're doing, I I just wish you uh, the very best. I know that you'll continue doing wonderful things. So thank you, Tim. Thank you, Rob. Thanks for sharing this moment. Thank you. Thank you for joining our program today. If you'd like to take some time now or later in the week to enjoy some treasured stillness, a meditation entitled Be Still is available on both Podbean and on Apple Podcast and is entitled Meditation 10. Have a lovely week and I look forward to being with you next time.